The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market side, overlooking the famous Times Square. I'm Brian Sullivan, in for Melissa Lee. Your traders tonight on the desk, Pete Nigerian, Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Guy Adami. This show brought to you by Joseph A. Bank. Tonight on Fast, <laughs> trouble in the transports. The group underperforming the broader market, and it could spell trouble ahead. We will explain. Plus, where is the Apple bounce? The stock ending the day flat despite the broader rally, but Gene Munster says... This name is a double. He'll be here to explain and defend that call. Why is he so bullish? Well, we start with a market that just can't seem to hold on to a rally. The Dow surging more than 450 points at the highs of the day. A trade deal may be seemingly within reach, but stop us if you've heard this one before. Stocks cutting those gains midday and then selling off pretty hard into the close. We did end higher, but 300 points less than we were at the top. So. Guy Adam, yes, sir. is this the why this market is like a high school prom? Right? Well, I mean, it's my problem. My problem was very <laughs> different, by the way. You just can't, you just can't hold on. FYI, right? 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 There's no long-termism in this market at all. It can't hold on to a rally. Maybe I should have said something. Yeah, I don't know what. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Interesting you know, metaphor. And now I'm on camera. All right. those things are being said. I mean, it's it's guilt by association now. By the way, I had a pair of Joseph A. Bank boxer shorts in college, and for the longest time, I thought I had somebody's under. I thought there was an actual person. Just stop. Why can't this Let's market hold a rally? You know, we talked about this last night. I think in in October something changed. You know, for nine years it was. Any sell-off, you buy and you were rewarded. I think something changed in October. And there are a number of different things that changed. Obviously, the most obvious one is the central banks. But I think it's more than that. I think Europe is slowing. I think a lot of companies here in the United States are slowing down, probably for all the right reasons. I mean, we're at the end of a cycle, a very long cycle. So I think now, instead of buy the dips, it's become sell the rallies. And I'll say this as well. Today, the market should have held on to the gains off all that China news. I understand something came out about President Trump, but the fact that it gave up almost 300 Dow points today leads me to believe the pain trade continues to be to the downside. But again, again, you know, Pete Nigerian, we talked about it yesterday extensively. Yeah. The political headlines, and it's not a political show or a political network, but the political headlines do seem to be having an impact right. on equities. And we absolutely are trading off all of those key words. And, I, and by the way, and, and it, it, this gets misinterpreted all the time. When we talk about algos pushing things down, they push them up just as much. I mean, absolutely, they are a huge We, we hate them on the way down, and we never mention and them on the way up. And you seem to like them. Yeah. So I'm going to mention them now. And I'm going to say that big move this morning, that was off of sort of recycled news of, of what's yeah. going on in the China world and everything else. And then suddenly the reality starts to slap everybody in the face about, oh, okay, we still have things going on in the White House. We still have Powell. We still have all these various issues that we've got to deal with each and every day. And then when you look at where the volatility remains, 
right there in that 21 spot. Now, yesterday, we were talking with Tobias Lekovich about uh, volatility. He had a paper out about a four, four, three or four years ago about 20 to 25 is almost an uninvestable area in terms of volatility in the market. And that's because it's so difficult right now, Brian, because we are getting incredible movements in the marketplace, but look at where we end up each and every day. The ups, right. downs, everything but else. Tobias also says there's a 90% percent chance the S&P 500 is higher a year from now than a today, A year Tim. from now, yes. Well, so one of the things that, that would tie both of those two views together is that 21 is probably the long-term average on the VIX when you remove central banks. Central banks are no longer your friend. They're not necessarily going to be a predator. Uh, we think the Fed is probably less predatory than it was two months ago. But get back to China. I agree with Pete on the recycled news. And just the, the fact of the matter is maybe there's some concessions on auto tariffs and a sense that the Chinese are going to work on on the tariff side. The biggest issues with China, with China, Brian, are, are clearly non-tariff related issues. It's intellectual property. It's state subsidies. And if, when China starts to mess around with that stuff, they're messing around with their own industrial policy, okay. which they will not. But BK, but bring, it, ba- bring it back to the hold on. Bring, good points. Bring it back to the subject at hand. No, why not, can't this market, good. why can't the market hold a rally? Uncertainty. Uncertainty I mean, of what? Of everything. Uncertainty around politics. We had that news today. Let's not forget the uncertainty around politics in Britain. Theresa May barely survived a no-confidence What does that have to do today. with the Dow? It, it moves the Dow. That's what why? it has to do with the Dow. I, I don't need to know well, why that it positive? does. Wasn't huh? that positive? She barely She barely won, though. That's the problem. The margin of issue wasn't the margin big. I she was going to fail two days ago. Yeah, but the margin error. She I just don't understand why the British Prime Minister matters for the Dow Jones Industrial Act. No offense England. It may or may not, but it does move the Dow. That's my point, okay. right? All these things are adding up. You pick what you want your choice to be, whether it's the English prime minister, whether it's interest rates, whether it's China. All of those things have shifted the narrative. And to Guy's point, when things rally now, you sell it because you don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen with trade. I don't know what's going to happen with the political situation here in the U.S. I don't know what's going to happen to the economy. Maybe it's slowing. Let me take some off the table. The move from $72 to $50 in crude oil, although we could say it's a great thing for the consumer, there's something troubling about that. And I don't know the reasons why. Supply thing, maybe it's, it doesn't really matter. Brian knows because that's your belly wick. That is his belly wick. But, but again, I mean, there, there are things happening now you that, you know, if you want to just acknowledge, markets go up, markets go down. Yeah. And we're in an environment now where bad news is and, actually bad news. And, and I like that. I don't want to certainly bring it back to my belly wick, as you say, but oil. But here's the thing. If we did not have that OPEC cut of 1.2 million barrels, oil would probably be in the low 40s right now. you got to remember, as Mike Kelly told us on set last night, break even for a lot of these debt-heavy Permian companies, not the old big line ones, but the newer ones, is probably 45 to $55 a barrel. There's $200 billion in debt outstanding in this space, de- guy. But, let's but, not, hold on. Oil is not an oil story. It's a debt story, uh, and that's why the market cares. But again, Tim, has, but it's not just a debt story in, in the energy space. It's a global debt story now that people are waking up to. Right now, Corporate debt to GDP, I think, is almost 50%. Uh, consumer debt to GDP is north of 50%. Nobody's cared, and maybe it doesn't make a big deal, but pe- when people start caring is when markets start having to sell the rally. And we do events. care, and I think it's great that what's largely an equity show, we're spending time talking about credit, because frankly, the bond market is smarter. The U.S. leverage loan index is back at October 2016 levels. High yield is at two and a half year lows. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a lot of debt in the high yield market. It's heavy energy. If I talk to my buddies who are energy traders in the high yield market, they're going to tell you that 
but actually they're seeing very little liquidity in these markets right now. Uh, I would get back to the companies, and this is really what's going to take us back to a better place for the market. We need to hear data out of companies that is more optimistic, both in terms of the macro environment. Bottom line is, look at Staples, look at a bunch of these companies. They're getting squeezed on both sides. I'm yeah. seeing a lot of data points that say margins are awful right now in the retail world, especially in Staples, especially in distribution. I, I'm hearing arguments where at 20-year lows in terms of the margins for distribution. Okay. i got a real quick one for yep. you, though. If we're talking about a trading show, then it's very difficult and you've got to be extremely nimble. If you're going one year out, because you, you called me on this Tobias thing, if I go one year out, I see all kinds of opportunities out there. Yesterday I was talking about Home Depot. You buy Home Depot. I still think you can buy uh, stocks like Microsoft. Apple I added to just the other day. I think there are names that have been punished. It doesn't mean it's the bottom. Okay. And none of us are let's, trying let's, to I, lo- I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. Let's, 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 do let's, <laughs> let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's flip it. Let's let's fantastic. It's no cap and D's. Let's flip it. Let's flip it. Okay. We talk about why can't the market hold a rally? How about this? So much negative stuff out there, right? Whether it's China trade fight, Brexit, potentially slowing economy, inverted yield curve, well, all these things. Isn't that when every book says you're supposed to start buying? Yes. When the point of maximum pessimism. I don't so know. Maybe we're not there. But we've reached maximum okay, uncertainty, not no. maximum. So when do we know we're there, Tim? Well, I tell you what. And again, look at you, we get a lot of different readings for the market over there. One of them is the institutional investors, the II bull bear survey. By the way, we're, we're around 40, 45 in the bull bear survey, which is lower than it was, which is higher than it was two weeks ago. But it's nowhere near telling you that people are, are beyond exhausted here. I think the retail community is actually still in a buy the dip mentality. I talk to RIAs all day, and a lot of these guys actually believe they should be in here nibbling. Registered investment fact, advisor. When, right. when in fact maybe. Maybe this is an environment where actually you will materially take a step down in terms of credit and some of the other things we talk about. If, I don't think the market is, yeah. is, is that concerned yet. If we were at maximum pessimism, news like we saw this morning would not rally the market, right? The market's optimistic that one of these things might change. Yeah. When we're at maximum pessimism, we'll get a news story that is actual real news and the market will go down. Then you know you're at maximum pessimism. Not today, it's maximum uncertainty. Okay. What you're saying is you're saying that people are actually buying and or selling when right. the, the fact might be that the algos are buying and selling. Or I mean, companies. What about, a, much what about, which is a, hold which on, we still have what's really happening. It's not fundamental is what I'm saying. We still have one big bull case. I'm not trying to make a bullish argument, but if I had to make the bullish argument, how about this? There's still hundreds of billions of dollars in tax, corporate tax money that is being re-offshored or onshored that has not been put to work. What about the buyback I've got side of the argument? Okay. I think that's a great point, but except for the data over the last three months is actually the repatriation data has been falling dramatically. Buybacks are really down enormously in the last three months. And that was a major underpinning of this market. So I think with the exception of companies like Apple, who we'll talk about later in the show, I think can continue to do that. I don't think yeah. every company is really in a position. And in fact, I don't think they put it into CapEx. They put it into buybacks that will not go on forever. You're an optimistic guy. I'm always guy. optimistic. Give Look us the, me. Give us, if you had to make one, I'll give you one answer to make the bullish case for the equity market right now. It is what? More investigation goes nowhere. Uh, China skirmish gets resolved sometimes in early January. And then the market takes off from that's there. three, not one. Yeah. You went to Georgetown, well, not an engineering January school. Clearly not a math-oriented institution. Well, you just asked me an optimistic thing. I said one <laughs> thing. Winning the lottery too, guys. What a else you want to do? Want to win, win the lottery too? This is it's 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 tango and cash night, right? That's what we're doing. Or Turner, or Turner and Hoosh. You know, you're not going to let me live that no, down, I, are you? But the long rest of your life. Thank God your bark is worse than your bite. <laughs> Tim said, "Hooch joke." Tim said we're going to talk about Apple later in the show. And by later in the show, he means right now. (laughs) One stock that can't seem to rally either is Apple. Since Apple went public on this day 38 years ago, happy 38th birthday public market, the stock has soared more than 
43,000 percent. That's the chart. Yeah, it's a lot of houses in Los Altos. But Apple has been in trouble (laughs) the last few months, now down about 27 percent from when it hit an all-time high in early October. However, your next guest says, despite Apple getting cored a bit, Apple is still set to double from here. Gene (laughs) Munster is the founder of Loop Ventures. He joins us now from Chicago. Hey, Gene, I love you. I like your optimism. But a a double from here, that that is optimistic, my friend. Yeah, it's another trillion dollars to market cap, but I want to put some context is that our goal here is to try to to look through some of the noise that we've had over the past six weeks and think about what the true arc of this uh, slope is that Apple is on. And backing out all the headwinds that Apple's had over the last month and a half is that the company is on a path to be a services company. We've talked a lot about that, but that narrative has far from uh, uh, been captured by investors. And we expect over the next year, as they anniversary this new reporting methodology, that investors will progressively understand that this business is not one that you need to sweat every quarter, and that in fact that there is some predictability and dependability into their earnings growth. And companies that have predictability and earnings visibility get high multiples. And we think about Clorox, for example, trading at 23 times, or Coca-Cola at 19 times. Apple now at 13 times, I think you can build a case over the next three years that as investors understand the visibility in this business, and this is going to be a big debate, is there really visibility or not, but I think that there is, that you can assume a 23 multiple on a, call it $15 number, and you can get to a a $350 stock. And I understand that that may uh, be hard for some people to believe, but ultimately I think that that's the trajectory that this company is on. Hey, Gene, it's Tim. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think they've really actually de-risked the release cycle for the company, and I believe a higher multiple on services is part of this blended new approach. How about those folks that say if shipments essentially are down or possibly contracting, that this installed base is nowhere near as profitable to be building this services business on? I, I, I don't agree with that, um, but I'd like to hear your pushback. So I think that the hardware piece, you talked about the services uh, segment, that 15%. What we're thinking about is the entire business. The hardware pieces included are going to start to operate like a services, a subscription type of business. If there is weakness, to answer your question, if there is weakness in the December quarter, they're doing some trade-in discounting. Uh, there is a case that there could be some slowdown in emerging markets. If there is slowdown, yes, we will be wrong in the near term on our prediction. I think the stock will trade lower. But I think ultimately is that the 18% base of global smartphone owners that are committed to Apple will stay committed despite any economic slowdown, and they will return and upgrade and buy additional services. So this is one where it really takes an investing mentality uh, to pull through this. And it's not to make an excuse about any sort of near-term weakness. It's just simply to state that companies like this that are, are staples of our lives, I think Apple is one of those. Do we, uh, are, Gene, do we have any idea what the margins on the services side are? We kind of know what the margins on the phone are. But if, you know, I, songs used to be 99 cents. Now they're a buck 29. We buy an app for $2.99. What is, the app, field, what is Apple buying. making on that? So they're going to break that out for the first time. They've given some indications in the past, so this is our best estimate, is that the services margins are probably close to 70% gross margin, and the hardware margins are probably around 30%. So they're going to be breaking that out uh, in this new uh, reporting methodology. Wow, 70% margins, and the growth there seems steady to you. Yeah, it's a 20% grower. 
But again, the bigger picture slow, here is that. Any sign of a slowdown in that 20%, Gene? No, I think that that's very stable. But I think this, this idea of, I just want to paint the picture, is more products that Apple uh, is going to offer. I think they're going to make it easier to buy those on a kind of a yearly basis. And I think that there's uh, an opportunity for that to fundamentally change how people buy Apple products. Hey, hey Gene, Pete Najeri, real quick question about wearables. Where do you stand on that? And how big of a, a run does that have in front of it still, in your opinion? It's a, a big segment. It all plays into this idea of Apple's the company where we get our tech, uh, whether it's a computer, a smartphone, or a wearable. It's a small part of their business. The watch is about 4% of revenue. It's growing fast, about 50% last quarter, but it's still so small. It doesn't change uh, the overall needle, okay. but it does example of uh, one of those key products as part of the whole ecosystem. Gene Munster, very bullish on Apple. Sees another trillion dollars coming, guys. Gene, we appreciate your view. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, here's the question. Now we'll, we'll cut Gene off so he can't respond. <laughs> sure. What do you not? think? Can, well, Apple, I, I, can Apple double in the next few years? Absolutely. It's why I'm buying it now, because I think people are very short-sighted. Now, in the short term, can it go lower? Absolutely can. I'm not calling a bottom for Apple right now. But when you look at where do you want to see your growth and where do you want to see your gross margins that are the highest? You want to see them in those areas like where we're seeing them in services. When you look at 330 million subscribers to the services side of it, that's up 50% year over year. I mean, this is, a, this is a company that continues to show incredible growth. By 2022, 2023, services are going to be about a $100 billion business. Business. Right now you look at wearables, it's $4 billion per quarter. That's obviously going to grow as well. So when you look at those growth drivers, you look at the hardware side, everybody I think is focused on the wrong thing. It always reminds me of Microsoft. People are looking at the wrong thing. They're not looking at growth, they're looking at the old line tech. Well, and if you're looking at the chart, you know, you can make an argument this stock could go down to 145, but I, I agree with both these guys. I don't need it to go to 350, by the way. And this is one of those stocks where we always say this, are you a trader or are you an investor? And if there's a stock you want to be comfortable being an investor on, it's the the one that actually has 50 billion a year in free cash flow um, and is trading at 12 times next year's numbers. I, that's a number yeah. that even if you had a decline in shipments, you want to own. You want to hear something uh, incredible? We have a yes, choice. Hold on. on. This is, on everybody out there driving home, I'm going to blow your mind right now. In 1980, we? when Apple went public, Massachusetts, the state, barred any citizen of that state from buying, from buying too risky. Apple's IPO because they viewed it as too risky and it didn't have a solid earnings foundation. Can right. You, and if you bought one share at 22 bucks, it's worth $95,000 now. Great call by Massachusetts. Blew my mind. <laughs> All right. We've mind. got a news alert on the growing tensions with China. Let's get now to Deirdre Bosa, who's in San Francisco with this breaking story. Deirdre, thank you. Hey, Brian, Canada's foreign minister, Christian Freeland, is holding a press conference on the extradition proceedings of Huawei CFO, who is wanted in the U.S. on fraud charges. She just said that a second Canadian citizen may be under detention by the Chinese authorities. She said that a Canadian who got in touch with them because he was being questioned by the Chinese has not been able to be contacted since. She also confirmed the detention of a former Canadian diplomat and said they have raised the case directly with Chinese officials, so identifying potentially a second Canadian. Remember that China threatened grave consequences if Huawei CFO was not released from Canadian custody. Meng Wanzhou was, in fact, released on bail in Vancouver yesterday, but Canada remains in the middle of this case that is really about the U.S. and China. Brian. Wow, big story there. Deirdre Bosa in San Francisco, thank you very much. Tim, you're the emerging markets well, guy. I mean, this is heating up now. You take one, we take two. China's a, t a chess player. They're not someone that's actually getting there in the volleyball spiking down after that headline news. I think China has a lot of levers to pull, and, and I think China is offended by this. There's no question. Um, but get back to the places where some people say this is separate from trade policy. Um, the reality is it probably could be in the short run. The bigger issues are non-trade related anyway. 
They're structural issues. They're issues that go right at how China is. Is it another reason to stay away from Chinese stocks, which have already been just hammered this year? No, not not right here now. And I would argue it's easier to say now after a 30 percent drawdown in emerging markets. But I think you've started to see EM as an asset class start to outperform a bit. I still think there's a lot of value in the mega cap Chinese tech names. Okay, there you go. Bullish view there from Tim. Coming up, speaking of Chinese equities, Tencent Music making its public debut today and rallying about 8%. We'll let you know what that might mean for other tech unicorns waiting in the wings. Plus, wow, the transports, a leading indicator. Let's hope not. They stalled out. The group having a red December, and it could spell more trouble ahead for the entire market. We'll explain why. And pot stocks up in smoke today. But Congress just passed a bill that could send the group soaring. We will explain, as always, live from from Times Square, New York City. A lot more fast coming up. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. After initially delaying its public offering, Tencent Music finally going public with a strong debut for the stock. Bob Pisani at the New York Stock Exchange. Bob, they've got to be happy that this stock did as well as it did today. I'm just guessing. One of the guys involved said, we feel like we should just go home and declare it a, a victory and go home for the rest of the year. That's how big this was. Let's call this one disaster averted. Tencent Music Prices IPO at the NYSE today, $13. That was the low end of the range, 13 to 15 But it opened at $14.10. Pretty much stayed there all day, closing at $14. The big story is that the deal got done at all. It was supposed to come in October, as Brian told you, but the company postponed the deal, citing the global market sell-off at that time. Well, it's still continuing. Those weak market conditions have continued, along with some signs China is slowing. But this time, they chose to go ahead with the deal regardless. Now, given all the volatility, even pricing at the low end of the range and closing higher would have been considered a successful first day of trading. But the company's taken a haircut. You know, they priced at the low end of the range, and instead of valuing the company in the 25 to $30 billion range, as was talked about a couple of months ago, it came in closer to $21 billion. Now, skeptics say this is the shot across the bow to all those tech unicorns floating out there waiting to go public in 2019, and that we may see lower valuations than some of these companies want. So, you know, this list of unicorns is looking to go public in 2019. It's getting longer. It includes ride-sharing apps Uber and Lyft that have already filed. And other hopefuls like Dana Analytics platform Palantir, photo sharing app Pinterest, workplace messaging app Slack, and trading app Robinhood. There's many others that are out there. Despite the market turmoil, by the way, 2018 has been a good year for IPOs. 189 IPOs have raised $45 billion so far. That's more than 20% higher than this time last year on both counts. So according to Renaissance Capital, those numbers are the billion-dollar club, 
The Unicorn Club featured well-known names like Dropbox, DocuSign, and Eventbrite. Now, what hasn't worked is the aftermarket pricing. The Renaissance Capital IPO, it's a basket of the most recent 60 larger IPOs, is down 10% for the year. But for the moment, this is a big win for a very worried IPO market. Brian, back to you. You know, I don't, I don't dislike the idea of just calling it a success and going home for the rest of the year, Bob. There's nothing wrong with that. Right? <laughs> they, believe me, the, the, the sigh of relief down here when this opened at 1410 and closed today uh, at 14 There were people concerned. Yeah. I was concerned that it was going to open at 12, given the, the market situation today. But it uh, didn't happen. We never went, even got close to 12. Yeah, good job. Bob, thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay. All right, take care. Tim, what do you make of the debut? So forget the fact that they got this off in a good market because that's been, point's been made at nauseum. This is 800 million monthly average users. Uh, they're profitable now. Spotify hasn't made money any time recently, last time I checked. They make most of their money in kind of uh, social uh, media type entertainment services where I could sell Brian a, a birthday greeting or something done thank by you. a guy doing karaoke nice. with Barry Manilow. Bottom line here is it's exciting stuff. This is arguably one of the most interesting parent companies in the world in Tencent, the parent. They have a lot of other things. This isn't about Tencent. Tencent Music, to me, is a profitable company in a monstrous market environment. I would own it. Well, what's interesting is even on the debut today, we had that big sell-off. We had trade headlines, and yet it held up, right? It held up very well today. So to Tim's point, I think maybe there's something more to this than just market conditions. All right, for more on the Tencent Music's IPO, you can go over to CNBC.com. Meantime, here's what's coming up on Fast Money. Mayday! Mayday! Yep, that's what the transports have looked like this month, and it could be about to get worse. We'll explain. Plus, despite the market turmoil, there's one stock that's having its best year ever, and you won't believe your ears when we tell you what it is and who's buying the name. There's much more Fast Money after this. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. It, All right, welcome back to Fast Money. It has been a dreadful December for the transports. One big ETF that you may own, the IYT, is now down nearly 8% this month. Every stock in the transport index is also down this month. Now, FedEx is the biggest loser of the group, down a whopping 18% in December alone. Alaska and American Airlines both down about 15%, and UPS bringing up the rear down 12%. Despite the turmoil, we heard from the CEO of UPS earlier today on Squawk Alley about how optimistic he is about the holiday shopping season. In our ground network, we've added 400,000 packages per hour this year, which uh, when you think about that, it's, it's pretty amazing. 
350,000 in the U.S., but we've added aircraft. We've added, uh, for this peak season, 100,000 employees from Thanksgiving to Christmas. So if any of you know college students that, <laughs> that need on. to do something, we'd like to have them. All right, so given all that we just talked about, we thought this would be the Great perfect time, time to play. Trade it or fade mm -hmm. it. Really yeah, exciting. that's right. Trade it or fade it. Transport style. I'm new around here, so I'll explain the rules for me. Here's how we'll play. I am going to name a transport stock. Let's use UPS as an example. Mm -hmm. And if a trader is buying that stock, you will see and hear this. Boom. Or right. if they would not be a buyer here, fade. Oh, fade you're going to hear that. Of course, what's weird about this game, Brian, is wouldn't you think if you were trading something, you'd actually be selling it and it would be red? Sorry. All right, let's keep going. You're ruining the show. No, he's not <laughs> You're literally sorry, ruining the entire show. Can we get on with it, guy? Let's play this. Okay, let's start with UPS here, Pete Nigerian. Right. Trade it or fade it? I'm trading it right now. I like what they do. I like what the CEO was talking about today. Yeah, there you go. There, there's the... They have growth internationally that I think is going to be big. When you talk about the next growth area for them right now, they continue to expand internationally. They're talking about 14 new countries they're adding on. And with the, all the logistics that they've got, I like UPS here. I, I got to tell you, though, it has been painful. I actually own this name. Yeah, but if, you're, if they're looking at international growth, we're looking at a slowing economy globally. I mean, the U.S. is the place to be, if anything. So for me, I'm going to fade this one on the idea that those growth things may not be what other people are looking at. Mm. Mm. I like the way that okay. you, you understand okay. the yeah. game now, bro. I do understand the game. Right. I prefer that Alpine guy from Price is Right where he goes over, yeah. but that's a different issue. I like He's a gnome. I don't think he's a gnome. They live in gnomes. Can I say gnome these days? Am I still Hey, gnomes live in gardens, not on game shows. All right, next up, FedEx. Guy Adami, trade it or fade FedEx? Well, if you like UPS as Peter Nigeria. Why are you making a face? Then you gotta I'm, love FedEx. You gotta love FedEx. Thank you, Pete. Yep. So I would say trade it, Brian Sullivan, and stop making the faces off camera. I mean, other people here can see you do that. It's mean-spirited, and I have feelings, too. And the reason why is this. If you like UPS trading close to 13 times next year, you gotta like FedEx at 9.5 in the earnings on December 18th, with a stock that's going from 270 this time last year to 180-something now. Yep. So you have to say to yourself, self, I think all the news is probably priced in. It's due for a bounce post-earnings. Serious question. Well, that's what we do here. Uh, can you like one of the FedEx and UPS yes, and, not li and not like sure. the other? Yes, you can. Or are they just so similar? Well, it's like Lowe's uh, and Home Depot. Can yeah. I get involved here? Yeah. You're trading and fading and fading and trading. FedEx is a that trading. Is the game. UPS is a faded. Bottom line, Ooh. Guy talked about the multiple. This is a trough multiple for FedEx. I'm talking about a company that should be trading 15, 16 times. Is trading. Guy said nine Trade times. It. I think it's probably 10 times. Okay. But split the difference. Very cheap company right now. Bang. Trades it. There you go. It's like checking Boom. into a comfort in a three a.m. with that bell. How would bell. you know about All right. that, Brian? Because I go to Williston, <laughs> oh, North no, Dakota. No, no, All right, BK, American, Airli American <laughs> Airlines, trade it or fade it? So, uh, not surprisingly, this is a fade it for me, mm. right? So I look at the only thing this company has going for it, from my view right now, is lower oil prices. But I've got year-over-year -year growth, yes. which is negative. It's not as good, it's not as negative as it used to be, but it's still negative. WTI is in the low 50s. Yeah, the jet the fuel costs thing. are going to come. A, that's a big it's, deal. It's, a, it's part of it. You also have to have Customers, you also have to have a growing well, economy. No one's you also have to have a stock. No, every plane is full. I, I I'm going to play this game down. real quick that you just brought up. And what I'm going to say is this: you don't have to buy all airlines. You don't have to love all airlines. But Delta and United are far superior 
So I'm with you. But that's, not one, but that's not one of the names, Pete. Play the game. I'll take it. Oh, now you want to play the game. Suddenly you're into the game. I'll play the game all night. I've been playing it better than anybody else. We trade this name. This is The horse has left the barn in terms of the downside of this company. It's the cheapest one in the sector. Why is it off 34% year to date? If you like airlines, you like American. Delta with a big investor guide tomorrow. you can't like American. You can't like American because in the same exact same market, look at what American's doing versus Delta and United. What happened? How the yeah. where did horses and barns come into this? He's got a horse. Yeah. He's got a barn. I'll tell we you what. A, we American got a gnome, is the horse in Alpine. the barn. Gnomes live in gardens, not yeah. on game shows. Back with and it, last Tim. but not least, because we haven't heard from him, Tim Seymour, yeah. CSX. <laughs> Trade it or fade it. I, I realize the transports are a complicated sector, and then with the rails, I actually think you fade most of them. If you look at what the, the volumes were down in, no, in November, about 2 to 3%, some of the lowest levels in nine months. I think the rail car loadings and the freight amounts have been lower. I want to stay out of this sector right now. I think there's more downside. I disagree. Not, yeah. Norfolk Pete. Southern is a buy at this point. I think this is one of those names that continues to impress. They beat on Earth. Stick to the game, Pete. So we're talking about Pete? CSX. What are you doing? So I'm fading the CSX, but I'm buying. You said the whole industry. I think you can actually okay. buy Norfolk Southern. I'm fading Tim, and I'm buying the CSX. There you go. And that's only because I want to get a little bit of somewhat left of growth <laughs> in the economy, and CSX is going to get that. I'm not that's part the U.S. Of the game. economy. I'm not, I'm not something no, you can fade. No, but I faded you. Yeah, he's fading. No, I did already. You faded like faded to. You. I faded you. All right. You faded it's a derivative trade. You, you know did. what? It's a lonely place you right went now. You win a dollar above. Faded. Won a dollar right. above. I'm going to be okay, though. All right. Check out this stock. It is up more than 11% this week. That's right. Some things are up. It is now on track for its best year ever. Do you know what that stock is? Look at the chart. Think about it. I know. It. Think, of course you know. You read the script. Well. Plus, Congress <laughs> just passed a key bill that could help greenlight marijuana legalization everywhere down the road. We'll tell you what that is and what stocks could benefit the most on a day where the pot stocks got smoked. Stick around. The road to pot legalization may be a lot smoother following Congress's vote to pass the Farm Bill, which, among other things, legalizes hemp. Didi Roy is in San Francisco with more on this big story. Didi. Hi there, Brian. Industry experts say the 2018 Farm Bill could be a game-changing moment for the CBD industry. In fact, the CEO of Canopy Growth, which recently purchased Colorado-based hemp researcher Ebu, tells CNBC the congressional passage of the bill is a big deal, but it's not a finish line saying that it will spark a lot of what's-next questions. Hemp-based CBD is a close cousin of the marijuana plant, but unlike THC, the active ingredient in cannabis, CBD is non psychoactive, so it can't get you high. The CBD industry expects to reach nearly $600 million in sales this year, but if the law bill becomes law, that's expected to rise past the $1 billion mark next year. If hemp-based CBD becomes legal, you can expect big box retailers to start carrying CBD-based products on store shelves. Mass retailers could include Walmart, Target, Costco, and Kroger, as well as pharmacy chains like CVS and Walgreens and department stores like Nordstrom, Saks, Bloomingdale's, and Macy's, as CBD companies also disrupt the beauty and wellness space. Companies which make CBD products could also win big. Many I've talked to say they've been speaking with mass retailers to bring their products to more households across the country. There are a number of these CBD startups in the beauty and wellness space, but the biggest companies in this industry are Charlotte's Web or CW Hemp, CV Sciences, and Medical Marijuana, Inc., 
if hemp is legalized, CW Hemp, which is currently listed in Canada, says it will pursue a listing on a major U.S. exchange. And the CEO of CB Sciences says it helps hemp legalization will help push through its application to the NASDAQ. And uh, Brian, we want to also add that CPG companies, consumer packaged goods companies, they're closely watching this space, too. They could be right behind those mass retailers and coming out with their own products. A big story there. Aditi Roy in San Francisco. Aditi, thank you. Have a great night. All right, Tim, you are in the space. Who do you think could be the biggest winners from this hemp legalization? I think the largest U.S. integrated companies that have a retail presence, basically this gives them CBD light, this gives them cannabis light, this gives them hemp to have a national footprint on. So it actually, the companies that are 12 or 15 states as a retailer with dispensaries could arguably have a national platform and be ready for when CBD is totally available. The, the key, why is this important, is because it means that the federal government is now discerning, looking below the surface in terms of understanding the differences between the variability in some of the these products and the science and not labeling them all as a schedule one very very positive i don't think by the way this is a sell the fact this is not a uh, a canada nationalization announcement this is not a u.s nationalization announcement i don't think this is in the price because i don't think a lot of these companies people even know what the market is for the otc wellness and pain it's very exciting and in fact this is very big news it is big news it might be big news for a couple hundred thousand people that are in uh, jail serving Sentences, well, it's, by the way. it's, it's about Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. It's All a good right. point. Anybody else got a view on the pot names? I mean, they had well, a rough day today. I mean, here's the thing. Tim's going to tell you about the individual stocks. But the way I look at it, this is just such a massive growth industry that if you are looking at any negative news, you want to buy on the negative news, close your eyes and watch this thing grow because there's so many opportunities. Tim's talked about a bunch of different opportunities that I've never even heard of, but I know they're out there. So you buy them all, close your eyes, go home. Okay. That's the plan. That is the plan. All right, still ahead. Under Armour shares getting slammed today. The company failed to impress at its annual investor day. We'll tell you what had traders hitting the sell button on UA. All right, this stock on track for its best year ever. Guy knows which one. And it's still down more than 20% from its June high. Strange, but true, that name when Fast Money rolls on. Stock Jeopardy, I love that. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. Talk about a buzzkill. Under Armour shares off a cliff today. The company holding its annual investor day. Stock down more than 10%. Analysts cutting sales growth forecasts on doubts that the athleisure brand can compete with rivals like Lululemon and Nike. Stock have been trying to stage a comeback earlier this year. Question is this. Yep. Are Under Armour's best days behind it. It was a fast growth, great success story, still a great company. Kevin Plank's doing a lot of work in Baltimore, trying to build up sort of the, you know, the parts of Baltimore that have been ignored. Good for him. But does it make it a good stock? No, because of this fact, because of the fact that if they're slowing down and you look at the multiple of Under Armour, then you have to start saying to yourself, okay, well, then what should be the multiple of some of their competition? Because you can't say, especially the fact that they are losing right now, or at least they're weakening in North America, that's a huge problem. It's different with Nike because they've got a bit, much bigger competition right now with Adidas and those kind of Adidas. names. But I think the way to go would be Lululemon. And somebody actually today put them on an uh, upgrade today on Lulu. And the reason they did, I think, made total sense. They have growth, growth, growth everywhere across the board, including margins, and particularly in menswear. So there's a reason that stock, as it's pulled back, I think, creates an opportunity. I think this name had a great run, but because of what they said, it's too high. In 42 terms of times value. trailing earnings. Lululemon's not exactly cheap, though, either. Yeah, but they're also growing at 20% in almost every single category. So there's By a the way, huge said, difference there. He said run, and he said Adidas, <laughs> fill in the blanks. Run DMC, my Adidas, right? 
Anyway, look, I think Under Armour, bottom line, no. the, this company's best days are not only behind it, but I think the dynamic here is they've had massive turnover in the executive ranks, and I think this company is still actually looking for its way, despite the fact that Kevin Plank is a constant and is, is uh, I think, dedicated of a CEO, is out there. Stock's not cheap. Yeah, it's, I mean, the, the problem is it's a growth story, and the only constant, as uh, Tim was saying, is Kevin Plank. So what's, what's the growth plan, or what's the turnaround plan here? You're not seeing growth. You can't have a turnaround plan. I would stay away from this. If you want to be in the space, maybe you go with the Lululemon, but still, I think it's a bit expensive. Stock topped out recently, the same level it topped out in June. Pete, as you know, is a Maximista. Sure I am. Yeah, he goes all the mean? time. Well, he'll tell you DJ what it Max, means. Marshall's almost and every what Saturday. And what do you what do you see there? I see Under Armour ubiquity. Uh, nothing but Under Armour ubiquity. shirts. In other words, on the discount XL rack. Double X, right. All discounted. Ubiquity. Had a fifty nine dollar price okay. target. Now it's nineteen, and it still isn't selling. There you go. Okay. Under Armour CEO Kevin Plank will be on Squawk on the Street tomorrow, ten a.m. Eastern Time. So you, if you Ooh. care about the stock, you care about what Kevin Plank has to say, ten a.m. on CNBC. Sticking with retail, Costco reporting earnings after the bell tomorrow. The options market implying a pretty hefty move for the stock. Let's bring in Mike Coe, our friend. He is in San Francisco to break down what he is seeing in Costco options. Mike. Hey there, Brian. Yeah, so Costco options are implying about a 4% move after earnings when they report tomorrow after the close. That's larger than the 2% that they historically average, and it's also a bigger move than the name typically implies going into earnings. One of the things that I saw today was a buy of about 1,000 of the December 205 puts. They were paying about 50 cents for those. Now, buyers of those puts are betting that the stock's going to be below that 205 strike price by December expiration. So that's a week from this coming Friday. That would represent about a 10% decline from where the stock closed today. I would point out that would be a pretty negative outcome for Costco also because the largest one-day decline after earnings that we've seen in the last 11 years for Costco was a decline of about 6%. So... Given its very high valuation, 28 times forward earnings, it looks like there's at least one trader who's betting that it could be a disappointing earnings coming out tomorrow. Okay, Mike Cohen, and Sam Fran. We'll see you on Friday night, Mike. Thank you very much. For What's more Friday options action. It's a Thank great you. show. Yeah, it is. Check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Mountain. They don't have you on anymore, guy, do they? It's not 2 p.m. Mountain. It's that, two, it no, was meant no. to be funny. Oh. But then Tim had some comment that wasn't funny, and he, once again, for the second time tonight, he, the right <laughs> right he ruined, ruined the show. Mountain time. Check out really this. Funny. Mountain time. Check out this stock. funny stuff, folks. Oh, that's that's nearly funny. 11% this week, trading at its highest level in years. Do you know what the stock is? It's a mystery chart. Find out what's coming up. Plus, tonight on Mad Money, Jim is breaking down why today's market action could, could mark a turning point for stocks. You want to hear what Jim has to say? That's at the top of the hour. We are live at the NASDAQ market site. As always, we'll see you back after this. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. It's time to play a little stock Jeopardy. The category is Mm -hmm. this tech stock soaring. Here are the clues. Wow. It's up 11% just this week. All right. Up 51% this year wow which also makes it the stock's best year ever huh do you know what it is what is general electric brian <laughs> incorrect no. right, but what it, is it, i know that i know the name of the stock so yeah, I'm it's watching, in the i can't play it's twitter oh it's, uh, <laughs> oh yeah the stock is up more than five percent today and despite selling off of the rest of tech earlier this year it is still up double digits wow 
That's a like, what would that be? A six hundred dollar like question? Very nice. Six hundred dollars. That'd be a six hundred. It wasn't too hard. Wasn't no. too easy. Yeah. Right in the middle. Oh, does Twitter guy Dami have more room to run? I think one of the analysts just put a thirty-nine dollar price target on it. Uh, target on it. So I think the answer is yes. I think it got caught up in all the Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google selling. Together. I think if you look at the last couple quarters, they've actually been pretty decent. So I do think there's continued room to run. I think we had it as a final trade four or five dollars ago. As a matter of fact, there's no way you can separate Twitter from some of the same regulatory environment that Facebook's going through, and I'm very negative there. But I, I think the trust factor for Twitter is different. I'm not saying that people believe everything out there is not, you know, every person on Twitter or every account is actually real, but I do think that people go to Twitter for a reason. They go there for news. It's a media company. Facebook is not a community of sharing. Despite Twitter flying high this week, the stocks... <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean it's, you know, you can't pause like that. Despite Twitter flying high this week, the stock is still sitting in bear market territory along with nearly half of the stocks in the S&P 500. So here's the question. Mm. How do you know, or how do they know, know? if a stock rally is breaking out Uh, or if it's just a a fake out? Guy Adami, with the more you know uh, at the plat, after school special right I now. I actually have, I have three. I have three. You know, some would call this a some would call this a trilogy. Actually, but it's not really a trilogy. It's you three. You up a hill, huh? No, you know, my back hurts all the time, Pete. You can't make fun of me. But so, how do you know if it's a breakout or a fake out? Okay, that's what we're talking. About. For example, Twitter is a good example. But is the fundamental story still intact? In other words, has anything changed in the fundamental story? If the answer is no then that's actually a good sign, number one. Number two, have we seen capitulatory price action? What does that mean? In my opinion, it means making new either all-time low or 52-week low, sometimes on four or five times normal volume. You see that? That's a sign as well. And the third one, this is a biggie. Good reaction to bad news. You always see, obviously, stocks sell off on bad news. Stocks go higher on good news. But if a stock goes up on bad news... That's a good sign. If you see all three of these things in unison or in some sort of semblance of order, then maybe instead of it being a fake out, Pete, it's actually Tim, Brian, BK. Oh, thank you. It's oh, a wow. breakout. Excellent. Is that a new game? This, no, this is the Thank more God you know, that little out. music they play. It's like an NBC thing. Ah. And this is CNBC, oh, so gotcha, we're allowed gotcha, to have gotcha. that. I thought we were playing yeah. a game. No. So, Guy, I got a real quick question for you. We talked about FedEx and UPX or, uh, UPS earlier, right? Do either of those two names fall under the category of what you've laid out here yet, or are you still waiting for number three? I question think, three to be I answered. think in both cases the fundamental story is still intact. Yep. Unfortunately, in my opinion, you haven't seen the capitulatory price action. Obviously, both of them gotten hammered, but you haven't seen a day where it's down on monster volume. So you haven't seen that yet. But coming up December 18th in terms of FedEx, if they say something that, if they give guidance, it's sort of squishy, but the stock goes higher, that would be a good reaction to bad news. So in the case of Federal Express, at least, I think you've actually could potentially see two out of three. And as Meatloaf said, Tim. Two out of three ain't bad. Two out of three ain't bad. Drop the mic. <laughs> the right first there, cut is Brian. the deepest, too. Drop the mic. <laughs> Cuts like a knife and it yeah. feels so right. Anyway. Hold on. Stop right there. Before we go any further. <laughs> oh, nice. Do you love me? Well Hold done. on. Well Up next. I got to know right now. <laughs> Final trades. Next. 
Time for your final trades. Pete and Jerry and kick it off. Everybody's afraid of the financials. Don't be. Morgan Stanley, baby. Giddy up. They got downgraded today by yeah, KBW. Tim Seymour. <laughs> a lot of headwinds. Certainly a lot of headwinds for this name, but American Airlines has priced this in, and I do like airlines. AAL. PK. Uh, we've had a tremendous run in the dollar, so maybe we reverse that a bit. Check out GLD. It looks like it wants to break out. Oh, well, GLD. GLD. Uh-huh. I just got to say, this show starts at 5 p.m. You were on the air this morning at 5 a.m. I mean, you were just, think about that. We started 30 seconds early tonight. Right? You don't have to tell me. No, but it's amazing. <laughs> and and thank you for Phil Brian. I mean, honest to God. Either. No. I think J.W. Nordstrom's bottomed out here, Brian. Back to you. You like the JWN. Well, I'm burned out. I won't be on Wex tomorrow, but watch anyway. Mad Money with Jim Cramer begins right now. <laughs> People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.